0: Every day. I don't know about you, but I need God's presence in my life every day. Amen. Every day I, I've got to find his presence, but that life has a tendency of bringing sideshow distractions, disruptions, chaos, and all kinds of things to try to separate you from the presence of God. Anything that can get you to walk outside of that. So, because in, in that presence, there is uh, security. In his presence, there is defense. In his presence, there is strength. There is an anointing in his presence that has the ability to collapse time. One of the, the only thing that stands between you and the fulfilled promise of God is time. And if you don't collapse the time, you've got to be careful that time does not collapse you. Right. That, that too much doesn't occur between the time you start standing and the time that you reach God's promise for your life. A lot of times we quit right in the middle because we're out of strength you know we, we've got the greatest source of strength available to us but yet we get separated from god we, we end up trying to do something on our own and it started all the way back in the garden and we're going to put some scripture up this morning genesis chapter 3 genesis chapter 3 It started at verse 1 And it says, Now the serpent was more subtle and crafty than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And he, Satan, said to the woman, Can it really be that God has said, You shall not eat from every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit from the trees of the garden, except the fruit from the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die for God knows that in the day that you eat of it your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing the difference between good and evil blessing and calamity and when she and when the woman saw that the tree was good and suitable and pleasant for food and that it was delightful to look at and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise she took of its fruit and ate and she gave some also to her husband and he ate and the eyes of them both were open And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron-like girdles. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Look look at this again. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Look at verse 9. And the Lord God called Adam said to him where are you and he said i heard the sound of you walking in the garden and i was afraid i heard the sound of you walking in the garden you know sometimes when the presence shows up we have a tendency to hide we have a tendency to conceal rather than to confess there were some things in their life that needed to be confessed but they tried to conceal it look at somebody close to you and say your fig leaves have failed thee our first parents who knew so much did not know this that they already knew enough there's something about the eyes you know I don't know how many how how many temptations how many sins seem to be so appealing it seems okay I really believe that when she was listening to the serpent that's where the mistake was made because words turn into thoughts thoughts turn into emotions emotions turn into choices choices turn into actions actions turn into habits habits turn into character and character determines final outcome see the enemy he he wants to rip from your grip your future your family your faith and if he can sow the right words and get you to think the right thoughts he'll lead you off track and separate you from the end that god has called you to amen proverbs 14 12 there's a way that seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death death is separation there's that the, the enemy can get you to do what seems right and get you separated from the right thing that god has for your life How of you realize that walking in the presence of god every day is his plan for your life so if you end up doing things that seem right to you the enemy will separate you from that and she probably listened to those words and considered and and thought in her mind you know what um i'm I'm not going to touch it, but I'm just going to look at it. I'm just going to look at it. I know I'm not even supposed to go near it, but I, I, I'm just going to look at it, but I won't touch it. And when she got there, it looked so good, she decided, well, you know, I'll touch it, but I won't eat it. So she looked at it, and now she's touching it, and she's not going to eat it. And then she found herself taking a bite. And, well, I, I won't share it, but here comes Adam, and the first thing she does is she offers it to him. And because any time you're separated from God, there's a tendency to draw the masses to be with you. Because even if we're in trouble, at least we won't be alone. Everybody looks around and looks at a world system that's living life their way. And it seems like we should be okay if we just kind of fit in a little bit. got to remember, God didn't call you to fit in. He called you to stand out. He doesn't want you under the pressure of life. He wants you on top of it, demonstrating Satan's defeat. Hello? You know, they were promised that their eyes would be open. And their eyes were open. But when their eyes were open, they realized that they hadn't been elevated, they'd just been devastated. And what they saw was they saw the happiness that they'd fallen from, the misery that they'd fallen into, the amazing grace and favor that they had forfeited. They saw His image and likeness lost and their dominion gone. They saw that they had been stripped and deprived of honor and joy. They saw that they were disarmed and their defense was gone from them. They saw that they were shamed, forever shamed, before God and angels. They saw themselves disrobed of all their ornaments of glory. They saw themselves degraded and their dignity and uh, disgrace in the highest degree. They saw that they had been ripped off by a lying devil. Many of us have found ourselves in a position where we've really come in, you know, Uh, into a position that we shouldn't be we're we're not living in the victorious circle that god's called us to live in and the reason is is simple it's not because we ate uh uh, you know the wrong fruit is because we walked in disobedience to what he said the sin was simple it it, and it was simply a, a a commandment of trial just obey me if you love me jesus said keep my commandments if you're going to love me, just do what I told you to do. And there's all kinds of things that come into our life to attempt to separate us. And today, we are going to get back in fellowship with God. Amen? Today, we're going to come to the table of remembrance. The guys are going to go ahead and hand out the emblems. Go ahead, guys. And you got to remember when Jesus was on the cross, and there was, uh, he was hanging between two thieves, and one of them looked at him and said, Jesus, remember me. Remember me well i don't know if you know anything about the process of crucifixion but on on uh the cross when you're hanging there your body literally begins to try to uh disengage itself from itself the members begin to separate themselves the members of your body begin to separate and, and uh muscles and ligaments and joints try to to disengage from one another to get away from the pain and this man looked at jesus and he said remember me and Re means to bring back to the original state of member, the members of your body. What life has broken you down and spit you out. And today we're coming to the table of remembrance. God's going to take your life and put it back together again. Amen. He's going to take your life and put you back together again. So that you don't have to go through life broken, hurting, bleeding. You can be restored, renewed, revived, refreshed in the presence of God. And back in fellowship with god himself you know when the presence of god comes to the garden and he's walking through the garden you shouldn't be hiding hello we don't want to be hiding from the presence of god so many people get so uncomfortable in the presence of god now that's where we should be hanging see the presence of god that is no place to hide when god shows up that is no place to hide look at your neighbor and say this is no place to hide When he came he came walking. You know, they said we heard the voice of God walking in the garden. He did not come running in. He didn't fly in on the you know, on the wings of the wind with fury. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Jeremiah that there is no fury in him. He came walking. As if he did every day to have fellowship he didn't come to punish he came to protect every decision God's ever made has been to protect your future even when God took them out of the garden it it wasn't to punish them, it was to protect them because still remaining in the garden was the tree of life and and the fruit of that tree, if they ate it, that, that fruit said that when you eat of this fruit you will remain in the same spiritual condition that you're currently in for eternity. And God knew that He had to protect them until He unfolded a plan that would redeem them. God's not trying to punish you, He's trying to protect you. Jeremiah 29:11. I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God's all about the future. You have an enemy who's constantly reminding you of your past. You have an enemy who's constantly telling you about your mistakes and your shortcomings and where you've fallen and where you've missed it. You've got a God who's calling you out of darkness, into light, trying to get you to move into a future that He's planned. That's not under the power of the past. God has the ability to remove the past. Amen? He came in the cool of the day. He didn't come in the darkness of night when everything is twice as scary. He didn't come in the heat of the day or in the heat of His anger. But He waited and came in the cool of the day so that He could reunite with his family. So he could get fellowship restored. He came for a confession, but what he got was concealment. Today, when, when God steps into this room, into your life, don't try to hide it. Open up and, and allow God to, to change you from the inside out. Yeah, we've made mistakes. Yes, we've, we've erred in our way. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the Bible also says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're not going to stand in the presence of a holy God feeling ashamed. You know, the problem with sin is that it always produces shame. It always, sooner or later, it always makes you feel like you're some kind of a loser. Like like you don't have the right to be in the presence of God. I got news for you. That blood was shed so that not your sin will be covered, but so that it would be washed away forever. Thank you, Lord. Amen. The love of God is about ready to, to envelop your life and to change you forever. Today, when we partake of these emblems, we, when we take that bread, we're... we're we're partaking of a body that was broken so that our body could be made whole. I'm believing that this morning that when you partake of that bread, that healing's going to be released in this room right here. Amen. That lives that have been shattered are going to be restored, renewed, and revived. That His power is going to come right into your life and is going to put you back together again. Amen? Would you do me a favor? Let's just stand together today and just hold that bread up. Father, we just thank you today for for the body which was broken on our behalf. Father, we thank you that when we come to the table of remembrance, we reunite in fellowship. We are having communion, fellowship, partnership with you. And that all that life and the enemy has tried to do, the thief cometh not but for to kill, steal, and to destroy. But you came that we might have God life, peace, increase life in the full to the top till it overflows and because we have communion with you because we have fellowship with you our lives are going to be restored right now father i thank you for healing that's going to be released i thank you for lives that are going to be restored father right now in jesus name in jesus name let's partake together of that emblem hallelujah just close your eyes and focus on him for just a minute just worship him the word worship means to rivet your eyes or attention on someone or something let's rivet our mind on him right now father we magnify you we magnify you there's no one like you there's no one like you we worship you And ask you to do something a little bit different this morning before we partake together of the cup. You hear today and chains of bondage in your life that have controlled you. Maybe it's habits, maybe it's uh, you know, uh, uh, something in, in your emotional realm, but something that you've not been able to break free from. I, I I believe that today that when we partake together of the cup, the shed blood of Jesus, the, the power in the blood. There is power in the blood. There is power in the blood. And today as we apply the blood to our life, every attempt of the enemy to control you can be shattered, can be broken. It can be released off of your life. Today if you're here and, and you say, you know what, there's, there's chains of bondage in my life that need to be broken and, and I'm ready today to take a step towards the presence of God. I, I don't want I, I to conceal it. I'm ready to confess it. I need the blood applied to my life. I need the blood put on the doorpost of my heart, brand new today. And if that's you, what I want you to do is just, just before we partake of that cup, I just want you to step out and come stand down across the front here and uh, just hold that cup. And we're going to pray together just before we partake. And we're going to release the power of the blood to operate in your life in a supernatural fashion. Just step out and come right now. Come on. Yeah, i'm going to take a step and i'm going to get myself free there's some things in my life that need to be broken off of my life and uh, you know this might not be church as normal but today we're just going to get in the presence of god reconnect with god have fellowship with god the fellowship that's been broken is going to be restored and we are going to let the blood of jesus christ be poured out over our life brand new and father today as we stand here in your presence just get ready now we we stand here in your presence we thank you for the blood being uh, shed on our behalf i thank you father that your blood applied to my life changes everything in my future Father, I thank you that there's nothing in my past that can hold on when the blood is applied. And Father, I thank you that it's not simply painted over, but it is washed away. The power of the blood released in my life and the lives of your children today is going to set us free. It's going to set us free. I thank you, Lord, that that bondages are being broken right now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that hell is nervous. We're about ready to humiliate the powers of hell by applying the blood of Jesus to our life brand new thank you father that you are going to change us from the inside out that life is never going to be the same again that the separation that occurred because of sin is now going to evaporate in the presence of the most high god and we are no longer in a position to hide but father we come out and we we just reveal ourselves we open up our life to you and say father apply the blood everywhere Open every, every closed door of my life, Father. Get in there. Let the blood of Jesus flow all over me, all through me. And Father, I just thank you today that we are delivered, set free, changed by the power of God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's partake together of that cup. Stay right where you're at and give God a praise. Thank you, Lord. Woo. Woo. Oh, come on, somebody. This is not a day to be, to be timid. Go ahead and lift your voice and shout out to Him and say, thank you Father. At the end of
1: the day, we're still brothers. No big deal. The definition of the gospel is not one of those things that is unclear. From the very beginning, our problem has been sin, and Jesus is declared to be the answer to that problem. Sin leads to death, leads to ultimate eternal death, Eternal separation from God. This is, this is our core problem. This is the core problem answered by Jesus and by Je- no one else. He is our only mediator between us and the Father. He is the only reconciler between us and the Father. It is the only message. This is of first importance. We have to get this right. In fact, Paul is here. He's making an allusion to the fact that he didn't make this gospel up, about gospel up. In fact, he didn't even get it from any other man. Isn't that what he's saying, verse 3? I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received. Re- well, received from who, Paul? Who did you receive that message from? Well, he makes it very explicit in Galatians 1, uh, where he says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. God appeared to him and gave him a message. This is more than we have recorded in Acts. In fact, from Second from Corinthians 12:7, apparently Paul had many revelations. And to keep him from getting conceited there in that context, he was given a thorn in his flesh. So he wouldn't get too uh, boastful about all the times he got to see Jesus and talk with Jesus about these things. Because Jesus gave him the message. That's what he's saying. I didn't make it up. I wasn't taught it by another man. Jesus himself gave me this message. And I have passed it on you faithfully. That is his testimony before us. So who delivered the message of Paul? Jesus did. And what is the essence of the message? What is the essential points of that message? Well, the first one is, I think, the, 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 the heart of the gospel message. Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. What a mouthful. Right there, and we're going to get to the according to the Scriptures part in a minute. But Christ died for my sins. That assumes I'm a sinner. That assumes sin's my problem. (laughs) Right? And it, it assumes that death is the penalty I owe God. And it assumes that Jesus' death counts for that. Enough. Christ died for our sins. It assumes a sinless Jesus. It assumes that he had the credentials, that he had to be an actual man, and he had to be a sinless man, so otherwise he'd have to die for his own sins. So to die for our sins, he had to be without his own sin. So what a mouthful in that one little phrase. This is what is at the heart of the Gospel. We're sinners. God sent His eternal Son, the divine Son, the eternal Son, to take on flesh, to become a man. That's what, do you ever wonder why Jesus keeps saying, the Son of Man, the Son of Man, the Son of Man, the Son of Man? I think one of the reasons, the real amazing miracle here, is that the eternal Son of God is now a man. That's, that's miracle enough right there. He had to be. He had to be a man to stand in our place. He died for us, for our sin, and so that we can be reckoned righteous, like He was, and we're not. So now, as we've said gloriously many times, we are saints, you and I. Even while we're still muddled. (laughs) This is at the heart of the gospel. We are embracing the heart of the gospel. If we're embracing these essential truths, we are saints. And we can have all eternity to have our muddledness worked out of us. Certainly to the time he returns, we see him face to face and presumably get it right. But I think in all eternity, we're still going to be marveling about all the different aspects of this and all the different nuances of it. Wow, he did that too. And our, our little brains trying to get their get their uh, get our minds around what he's done, uh, but this is essential. This is first importance. You have to have this. If you don't have this, you don't have anything. That Christ died for our sins. There are repeatedly through church history. This has been attacked. It's being attacked in our day. I don't even want to get into the different debates that are coming around in evangelical circles, this is being attacked. You you might hear in theological lingo, substitutionary atonement. What is he talking about? He's talking about Christ dying for our sins. This is his substitution of it. Substitutionary. Atonement is, he died for us in our place. Atonement, the whole atonement sacrifice is that. That sacrifice died instead of me, so now I can worship God. That's, that's, that's what they're talking about. And this is under attack even again in our day. Christ died for our sins. And if you attack this, you're attacking the gospel. And you've got to fight about that. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day. He was really dead. And he was really raised from the dead. He was really dead. And he was really raised from the dead. Both are crucial points. That he actually did die for our sins and that God then accepted him accepted that sacrifice on the third day and accepted that publicly by taking him out of the grave, affirming that God was pleased with the sacrifice. That he was received to heaven. We we are united with Christ, so that reception of Christ is paramount to accepting us. We're with him. He owned the death and now, we received the acceptance. And his resurrection affirms that. So, uh, these things really happened, and they happened, as it says twice, Anytime you repeat things, he's, he's emphasizing, in accordance with the scriptures. In accordance with the scriptures. He says it twice. Well, what are we talking about there? I taught through this before, and I, I think myself and others often get to the point where we say, well, look at all the, like Isaiah 53, look at the prophets, how they prophesied the cross in particular. That he died and then was going to be raised from the dead. That his hands were going to be pierced. And certainly, that certainly is pointing to those things. But I think, in accordance with the scriptures, is even more broad than that in this text. I, I think... It's what I started saying just a moment ago. I think all the Bible points at the cross. All the Bible points at Jesus. Jesus himself says as much in the Road to Maze that these things were written about me. So, that's where I'm getting I'm not making this point up. Jesus said that. And so, in accordance with the Scriptures, I think is is pointing this broader sense. Well, for instance, that we were created by him the first time. He is the Creator. We are the Creatures. And we were created good. We were created that with what we needed to serve Him and obey Him. And He gave us a good plan
2: to reflect His image by rule. your yes. response. Because the, the real question that comes to me then is, God, you probably only know how I love you. God, do you know if I love you with my whole heart? God, do you know if I love you with my soul? God, you know whether I love you with my mind. And God, you know whether I love you with my strength. You see, if there's something that God is dealing with you about in your life, and you say no to that, what it really is about, it's about love. It's about love. It's about whether or not he has your life. And there are people right now in this room that are dealing with this issue. Because if I were to walk up to you and I'd say, hey, do you love God? Amen. Sure, I love God. Give me a five five. I love God, man. I'm into God. I love God. But people closest to you know whether or not you love God. God knows whether or not you love God. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit right now in this room to show you what his finger is on in your passion. Don't use this as a means to go, I don't know if I love God. Simply say, Holy Spirit, I'm making a decision today to love you with my heart, with my soul, with my mind, and with my strength. And I want you to speak to me. I promise you it will work. When I bring a message to you, I've been practicing it through the week. I can tell you recently, up-to-date news, it works. It'll work on your mind, it'll work on your heart. And I want to pray for people right here in this room that God's talking to. If your passion is gone, if your response is to God's wrong, if your obedience is not there, if your mind is overwhelmed, this is a moment for you right now. If you've been running from God and you know you have, this is the time. Could you pray with me right now? Father, I ask you right now in this room that every heart and every life that's walked in this room. Before they leave today, they will have heard from you and your hand be upon their life. I ask you, Father, by your power, by your grace, and by your anointing, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I pray. Give courage right now. Give courage across this room. Give boldness. This is important. This is important. Holy Spirit, right now, give that courage to respond. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. One time.